You are listening to a sermon from the First Baptist Church of Ewing, a Christ-centered church in Lewis County. If you've uh, ever studied the kings of the Old Testament, uh, you know that there are a lot of bad kings, some extraordinarily bad kings, and just a few good kings. Uh, The kingdom of Israel splits into shortly after Solomon's death, uh, and you have uh, 19 kings who ultimately reign over the 10 northern tribes. And over that course of time, none of them are listed as good kings. Uh, You have 20 kings that will eventually rule over Judah, and it's only maybe four or five of those kings that are listed as saying that they what they did in the sight of the Lord was pleasing. So a lot of bad kings, some extraordinarily bad kings, but only a few good kings. Um, and this morning we're we're going to focus on the last king of Judah, Zedekiah. But briefly, I want to start our time by telling you the story of his father, uh, one of the few good kings, uh, Josiah. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with the story of Josiah, uh, he became king when he was only eight. Josiah was the grandson of Manasseh, who was one of the most wicked kings in the history of either Judah or Israel. Uh, The Lord said that Manasseh was even more evil than the inhabitants of the land of Cana before the Israelites arrived, which that in and of itself is a feat that is pretty hard to accomplish. But Josiah doesn't follow in the footsteps of his grandfather. Uh, he, he was a good king who was after the, the heart of the Lord. And that's partially the result of a, an event that occurs when Josiah commands to have Solomon's temple uh, restored. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with this story, it's fascinating. Uh, the king permits these Uh, restorations over the temple, and you have the high priest at the time, his name is Hilkiah, overseeing these renovations, and it says that he stumbles across the book of the law. Now, you have to stop for just a moment there and ask yourself, how is this that he was the high priest in Jerusalem, in the Lord's temple, Yet, he didn't even know where the, the word of God was, much less he had never read this word over the course of his career. It's just been hiding back in some kind of storage closet or something, collecting dust. I mean, that would be like, me being a pastor here for 10 or 15 years and having never read or studied the Bible during that time until just by happenstance I stumbled across it in the choir closet or something. Uh, but, but Hilkiah 
stumbles across the book of the law, uh, which at this point in history likely would have been the Pentateuch, so the first five books written by Moses. And he brings it before Josiah, who had had never uh, read or heard the word of God either. And so the, the king hears the word of God preached to him. And it says that in response, Josiah tears his clothes in despair. The, the power of God's word destroys Josiah because he realizes that, that his own life and, and collectively the life of the nation that he rules, Judah, uh, it is such that it is kindling the anger of the Lord against himself and against his country. So Josiah institutes all of these reforms. Uh, so in the temple at this time were Asherah poles and altars to Baal, uh, as well as male and female cult prostitutes. Now, you know something is wrong when you thought that it was a good idea to take the temple of the Lord and use it as a place to promote prostitution. Uh, That's how far they have fallen. Uh, So Josiah, he cleans out the temple and he institutes all of these reforms in Jerusalem and Judah, and he sets his people back on a trajectory towards the Lord. Uh, And the story is a great reminder of the supernatural and transformative power of Scripture and of God's Word. Uh, But in our text today... We're going to see that Josiah's reforms don't last for forever because just one generation removed from Josiah will see that the kingdom of Judah is going to fall during the reign of one of his sons. Uh, let me read to you our passage today. It's from 2 Kings. Uh, we're going to look and study the life of the, the final king of Judah, uh, King uh, Zedekiah. So I'm going to read 2 Kings. I'm going to start in verse 18 of chapter 24, and I'm going to go to verse 11 of chapter 25. It reads this. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was uh, Hamatol, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he cast them out of his presence. And Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. And in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came with all his army against Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And they built siege works all around it. So the king was besieged till the 11th year of King Zedekiah. And on the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then a breach was made in the city and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between the two walls by the king's garden and the Chaldeans, or the Babylonians, uh, were around the city and they went in the direction of the Arabah. 
But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah, and they passed sentence on him. They slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him uh, in chains and took him to Babylon. In the fifth month of the seventh day of that month, that was the 19th year of the king Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the bodyguard, a servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem, every great house he burned down. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down the walls around Jerusalem and the rest of the people who were left in the city and the deserters who had deserted to the king of Babylon together with the rest of the multitude, uh, is a very difficult word, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried into exile. So we have the, the story of the last king of Judah and the downfall of Judah and Jerusalem. I think the key verses here in understanding this story is verses 19 and 20 of chapter 24. Uh, verse 19 says that, that Zedekiah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. Uh, and then in verse 20, it says that as a result, uh, it, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that the Lord cast them out of his presence. That, that's the main idea of this passage, that solemn and sober warning that God will exile from his presence all those who persist in evil. So from these verses, I want to look at the reason he exiles his people from his presence. Then we'll turn our attention to look at the results of that exile from his presence. So first, the reason for this exile. And to understand that reason, you, you really have to understand the life of Zedekiah and his family. Uh, verse 18 said that Zedekiah walked in the ways of a previous king, Jehoiakim, who was his brother. Now, Jehoiakim, uh, if, if you're unfamiliar with him, he played a very prominent role in the life and the ministry of uh, Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah was told by the Lord that in his day, Jerusalem and Judah were going to be given over to the Babylonians and that all of the people were going to get taken into captivity. And so speaking to, you know, speaking out to the people about what, what the Lord was going to do, uh, Jeremiah, in chapter 21 of Jeremiah, he, he says this about Jerusalem. He says, He who stays in the city uh, shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes out and surrenders to the Chaldeans, which is the, the Babylonians, uh, he shall live 
and shall have his life as a prize of war. So to surrender to the Babylonians was to surrender to the Lord's will. Uh, and, and to resist the Babylonians and the punishment that the Lord was bringing about to his people uh, was to rebel, not just against the Babylonians, but was to ultimately rebel against the Lord himself. So Jeremiah brings this message to Zedekiah's brother who reigned before him, uh, which was Jehoiakim. Uh, And he he brings him a scroll containing all that the the Lord had decreed for Judah uh, and to Jerusalem for them to surrender. And as he brings it to to King Jehoiakim, this is is how he responds. In Jeremiah chapter 6, it says that, that after every three or four columns of God's word was read to him, it says that the king would cut off with the, off with a knife and would throw them into the fire in the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all of the words was afraid, nor did they tear their garments. That that's how. Zedekiah's own brother responds to the very word of God. He cuts it up with a knife and he throws it into the fire. Even though he had heard the word preached to him, that word did not bring any any sense of fear or reverence. Let, let the, the stark contrast of that just sink in for a moment. Uh, Jehoiakim, look, think about his response versus that of Jehoiakim's father, which was Josiah. Josiah, when, when he heard the word of the Lord, uh, he tore his garments understanding that, that he needed to repent because he had kindled the Lord's anger. But, but Jehoiakim's, in, in his anger, uh, instead of repenting, he goes and he burns the word of God. And he doesn't tear his garment or repent like his father. And in the passage that we're looking at today, we're told that Zedekiah, that he chose to walk in the path of his brother. Now, he grew up seeing the example set before him by his father, the last good king of Judah, and he'd witnessed the warning that was the life of his own brother. Uh, he'd seen the wicked abomination that marked his life. And yet Zedekiah chooses to follow after his brother rather than the example set before him by his father. That, that should cause us to, to pause and, and think for a moment. How do you 
respond to the word of God. First, let let me ask, do do you even know where your Bible is or or when the, the last time you cracked it open to read was? Do, do you at least have it downloaded on your phone? Do you at least have it pinned to the, the web browser uh, on your computer? Uh, or, or like Hilkiah and Josiah, uh, has it just been hidden on a shelf somewhere left to collect dust? And, and when you do read it, how do you respond to it? Or does reading it cause a response? When, when you hear God's word spoken or, or when you read it, do, do you ever feel the, the weight of it pressing down on your heart? Does it ever cut to your soul because of just how much you've realized you have failed to live up to the standards of it? Like Josiah, do you ever have those moments when you just want to tear your clothes in distress? Or like Jehoiakim, would you rather just tear up the word of God instead? How you respond to God's word speaks volumes about your relationship with the author of those words. When you don't read it, or you read it and you don't like what you've read, or you read it and you don't respond to what you've read, all of those responses speak volumes to how you view the Bible and its authority in your life, and how you view the Lord and his authority in your life. The primary reason God's people were exiled from his presence and from the land was because they had rejected his word. And when you reject and neglect the word of the Lord, you reject and neglect the Lord. So we've seen the reason the Lord exiles his people from his presence, uh, but let's continue to look at this text to see the results of this exile Just as the prophet Jeremiah uh, preached to Jehoiakim proclaiming Judah's need to surrender to Babylon, uh, so did Jeremiah continue to preach that same message to King Zedekiah. Uh, But we see in verse 20 of chapter 24, uh, Zedekiah doesn't end up uh, surrendering to Nebuchadnezzar. Instead, he does the opposite and he rebels against Nebuchadnezzar. Now, this is is really interesting when you look at at the whole story of what's going on, because Nebuchadnezzar is actually the one responsible for putting Zedekiah on the throne in the first place. Babylon has already fought against and sacked Jerusalem, and Nebuchadnezzar actually had handpicked Zedekiah to sit on the throne as what was known as a vassal king. 
Now, essentially, that just means that Zedekiah was, was really just like a puppet king who, you know, is quote unquote king, uh, but, but only in a very loose sense of the word. Uh, he, he's really just there to, to do Nebuchadnezzar's own bidding. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar actually even picked out Zedekiah's own name. Uh, it was tradition when you became a ruler or a king to uh, get a new name. And Zedekiah, uh, who, whose name was originally Mataniah, he doesn't even get to choose his own name. Nebuchadnezzar chose his name for him to Zedekiah, uh, which ironically enough, the, the name Zedekiah means God's justice. And God's justice is going to be on display in the life of this king whose name is God's justice. Because after just a few years of reigning, even though Nebuchadnezzar had placed Zedekiah on the throne, uh, even though the prophets of the Lord had urged Zedekiah uh, not to resist the Babylonians, even though Zedekiah had looked to the life of his brother and others that had rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, uh, despite all of those things, Zedekiah still decides to rebel against Babylon. And as a result, the armies of Nebuchadnezzar sweep in to besiege Jerusalem and to wipe Jerusalem and Judah off the map. Uh, Judah's capital, Jerusalem, is besieged. Uh, Jerusalem had very, very thick walls. And in those days, it was often a lot easier to surround a city with your army and starve those people into surrender rather than risking sending in your soldiers to fight a costly and, and deadly uh, battle. So, so after a year of being barricaded inside this city, Zedekiah and his people are starving we, we re read here that there's a, uh, such a famine that there's no food in the land for either Zedekiah or for his people. And so kind of in this last ditch effort, uh, Zedekiah and his men uh, try to escape the city. It, it says that they, uh, head, they flee from the city and head towards the Arabah, uh, which is near the, the Jordan River. Uh, and they're overtaken by the Babylonian army on the plains of Jericho before the king can escape. I think that's very fitting that just as the Israelites began to conquer Cana at Jericho, now it's at Jericho where the, the last king will be carried away from the land of Cana and be exiled from this land. Zedekiah is captured, uh, he's taken away, and it's here that you really start to see the results of a life that continues to persist in evil. Just as Zedekiah and the Israelites were exiled because they persisted in sin— if you do not surrender to the Lord 
and acknowledge his sovereignty in your life, then the Lord will do two things. Two things that you see in this text. The Lord will depart from your presence and you will be cast out of the Lord's presence. First, the the Lord will depart from your presence. Verse 9 of chapter 25 says that after Zedekiah is taken away uh, and the Babylonians, they enter Jerusalem, it says that they burned the house of the Lord. They burned Solomon's temple. We, we read in Ezekiel chapter 10, uh, Ezekiel was a, a prophet during this same time period, uh, and we learn from him that just before the temple was burned, the Lord's glory departed from the temple. Uh, Verses 18 and 19 of, of Ezekiel 10, Ezekiel writes about this and he says, then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. And the cherubim lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth before my eyes and they went out. The glory of the Lord left the temple. God mounts up on a cherubim. The cherubim lifts its wings and they depart together. And now the Babylonians come in. They plunder the treasure from the temple and it is burned to the ground. Let let that sink in for just a moment. This this is the place where the power and the presence of the Lord dwelled. This was the only place on earth where man and God could meet and dwell together. This is the only place where, where you could come for a sacrifice to be offered for your sins. This is the first time since God led his people out of Egypt, that he has left their side. They they first left him, and now he is departing from their presence. If you're not a follower of Christ, uh, if you're still rebelling and trusting in your own power and your own forces as Zedekiah did, uh, and and you haven't surrendered to the Lord um, asking for his saving grace, Uh, let, let me just warn you this morning as we see in this text that you are on precarious ground. Though you may still have access to the Lord now, this passage reminds you that you are not guaranteed this access forever. Without submitting your life to him, there will come a day when his glory will depart from before you and you will be left to your own devices besieged by the evils and sin that you have brought into your own life. But if you are a follower of Christ and you have surrendered, asking him 
to, to be your Savior, th- then you should praise the Lord that you no longer need to trust in a brick and mortar temple that can be crumbled uh, or perish or be crushed because Christ is a new and far better temple. And though this temple that was his body was destroyed, it was raised again three days later. And this new temple now sits at the right hand of God, and he is the means by which God and man can dwell together again. And he now is the sacrifice that has been offered on behalf of your sin. So if, if you persist in evil, then one day the, the Lord will depart from your presence if you have not submitted to Christ. But secondly, if you persist in evil, uh, not only will the Lord depart from your presence, but you will also be cast out from the Lord's presence. Verse 11, chapter 25, the very last verse of our text says that the, the rest of the people that were left in the city and the deserters who had deserted to the king of Babylon together with the, multi, the rest of the multitude, uh, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried into exile. So the temple was burned and all of the inhabitants of Jerusalem were carried away into exile, into Babylon. That was a very common strategy when you are conquering a people. You deport them and scatter them throughout your empire. So it would be difficult for them to effectively mount any kind of future resistance. But as the Israelites depart from the promised land, uh, and as they look back at this inheritance that was to be Abraham, as they look back on this promised land for one last time, you can't help but wonder if they were reminded of their ancestors, Adam and Eve. Because the, the nation of Israel all along was intended to be a new kind of Eden. Just as Adam and Eve dwelled uh, dwelled in this beautiful, bountiful garden with God himself, so did the, the people of Israel dwell in this land flowing with milk and honey with the presence of God. And just as humanity's first couple was rejected from Eden because of sin, so too are the Israelites now being rejected from Cana because of their sin. So, so the Israelites depart and are carried away into captivity. And, and you can only imagine the discouragement and the despair of these people. They, they must have been wondering if they were going to be cast out of the Lord's presence forever or if they would ever see this land again. We, we know the answer 
for, for Zedekiah. Uh, he's taken away into chains. Uh, verse 7, we're told that the Babylonians killed his children in front of him so that he would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there would never be any future generations of his own children to rule after him. And then after he witnesses the death of his own sons, says that Zedekiah's own eyes are gouged out. So just as this king lived so much of his life spiritually blind to the Lord, now he's going to live the rest of his life physically blind as well. He'll, he'll never again return to the promised land, and he certainly won't ever again see the promised land. But for others, such as the prophet Jeremiah, who is ministering during this day, uh, who's, who's actually believed to be the author of our text that we've been studying, uh, th- this exile is not a permanent casting out from the Lord's presence. Jeremiah was led away into captivity with all of the other inhabitants of Jerusalem, but because of his devotion and faithfulness to the Lord, shortly after he is taken away, we're told in Jeremiah chapter 40, uh, it says this, it says, the word came to Jeremiah uh, from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had let him go from Ramah. And when he took him bound in chains along with all the captives of Jerusalem and Judah who were being exiled to Babylon, the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, the Lord your God pronounced disaster against this place. The Lord brought it about and has done as he said, because you sinned against the Lord and did not obey his voice. This thing has come upon you. Now behold, I release you today from the chains of your hands. And then just a a moment later, he adds, see, the whole land is before you. Go wherever you think it is good and right to go. So Zedekiah fought when he should have surrendered and he is taken away in chains. Jeremiah surrendered as the Lord commanded and now his chains are taken away And he is free to go wherever he wants. And this really is the model for the Christian life. The Christian religion is one of constant surrender. I mean, to to even be admitted into the Christian faith, you must surrender to Jesus and renounce all of your allegiances to the world. But, but even as you continue to follow Christ and continue in that process of sanctification, that same reality holds true. The, the more areas of your life that you surrender to Christ, the more chains that will be taken away and the freer you will be. When you resist the Lord, you will be cast out from his presence But the more you surrender to him, the more he will pull and draw you back in. It was true for Zedekiah. It was true for Jeremiah. uh, It is true for you today as well. So 
This morning, we, we've studied Zedekiah, the, the last king of Judah, and, and he's reminded you that, that God will exile from his presence those who persist in evil. We, we looked at, at the reason for this exile. We looked at the results of this exile. Um, I began by talking about Josiah, the last good king. Uh, let me just end this morning by reading a verse about the last and eternal great king. Daniel chapter 7, verse 14, it says this. To him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Remember this week that, that leaders like Zedekiah, they will come and go. Uh, they will build their kingdoms and those kingdoms will crumble. Uh, but it, it is only the Lord's kingdom, which encompasses all people, all nations, every language. It, it is only the Lord's kingdom that is an everlasting kingdom that will not pass away. And it's only this spiritual kingdom which will not be destroyed. And it's only this kingdom where Christ reigns on his throne as a forever king and where his rule is far greater and far better than any earthly king could ever be. Let me pray.